Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show with the host that loves Thanksgiving because he gets to eat turkey instead of his normal diet of eating crow. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. The week of Thanksgiving 2017, and have we got a special show for you. So, the secret other co-host is none other than Shane Ireland. So, Shane will be on the show with me, and uh, we'll be talking about... uh, uh, we'll be talking about highbrow smart stuff like the Danish American aesthetic of pipes, and uh, Shane's got some secrets or uh, some tidbits of what's coming up with smokingpipes.com for uh, the holidays. So you get to listen to that. And then uh, a very special piece of music from composer Dan Locklear. Remember, I talked about uh, hearing the uh, world premiere of his. Uh, Symphony Number no. Two for of America, and we have the Thanksgiving movement for you. And let me tell you, I've heard it now four or five, five more times, and it just keeps getting better and better. So we've got that for you coming up. A uh, quick mailbag, and then a Thanksgiving message from us to you instead of a rant at the end of the show. So you got all that coming up. Uh, Because it is a jam-packed show, we're going to get right to it. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. All right, we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and as I said, my co-host tonight is uh, Shane Ireland, and Shane, as a... As opposed to Tom, who comes from the pure hobby side of it with a little bit of background in smoke shops, you come to this from first the hobby side, and now you are deeply involved in touching and dealing with thousands of pipes and buying and selling them. Uh, So, Shane, welcome to the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show. Awesome. It's great to be back. Yeah, uh, so I'm looking forward to having you on, you know, once a month, and we'll we'll talk about whatever you want. But before we do that, why don't you uh, remind everybody what you do for smoking pipes this week? <laughs> okay, well, uh, I am the director of SmokingPipes.com and the pipe manager. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to overseeing all of the departments within SmokingPipes.com, uh, that includes the estate restoration department, the customer service department, uh, the merchandising department, and also Low Country Pipe and Cigar, our, our storefront. Uh, in addition to those responsibilities, I am also responsible for purchasing uh, a majority of the pipes that are on the website for sale. So you get to deal with a lot of pipe factories, a lot of pipe makers, and uh, are, are you the one? Are are you now the one that gets to uh, see all the estate batches when they come in? Because that used to be my favorite thing. <laughs> um, I don't see all of them, but uh, I, I do. I do pitch in there definitely. I see quite a number of those estate batches. Um, any any more? It's Adam Davidson who is who is doing a majority of the estate evaluations, but um, there are, there are a number of us who also who also take a look at those. Ah, oh, used to be so much fun. 
Uh, <laughs> it is really fun, especially yeah. when we find something old and cool, you know, like it's not every day you see a gold banded petite barling with an albatross stem or something like that. No. Oh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I'll, we'll stop drooling about that and talk about some, <laughs> some real stuff. Um, so, again, about once a month, you'll come on, take over the show, run the run the thing. But uh, to kick it off, I thought, you know what, who who better than to talk to and get me to understand the Danish American aesthetic? I hear it talked about. I hear people describe that as being, oh, that's out of the uh, Danish-American school, or that's the Danish-American style. Um, but it's kind of like pornography. I really don't know how to describe what it is until I actually see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it is it is a difficult thing to pinpoint. Um, generally speaking, uh, if you want to start back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, American pipe makers at the time, you have guys like um, Randy Wiley who have been around that long, Mark Tinsky, uh, 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 Mike Butera, these sort of guys – there's there's the group of them that were sort of well actually I guess there's three groups technically I don't want to overcomplicate this but you've got a group of guys you've got a group of guys that were influenced by old English brands right Barling and Charlton and Dunhill and all that kind of stuff you've got a group of guys that were very heavily influenced by uh, Italian neoclassical pipes like Costello is the best example there but you've also got Ascordi, Caminetto, Radice um, and then you've got a group of guys who uh, were also influenced by the um, sort of Danish fancy freehand craze. Um, now, what changed later on, and this is sort of where I guess the more modern interpretation of, of the the American aesthetic uh, or the Danish American aesthetic, later on in the 90s, in the late 90s, you had the first guy, to my knowledge, was Jody Davis, who went over to Denmark to spend time in the workshop with a couple of the Danish masters. Um, he spent time with Tom. He spent time with Jes Konovitz. He spent time with Lars. And what happened there was that uh, not only did he pick up some tricks of the trade, you know, like how to shape first and drill second, that kind of thing, um, he also really grokked the, the, the way that those guys were thinking about pipe making. And that's really important. So what happened was guys like Jody went over there, and then later, a little bit later on, you had Todd Johnson who also went over there. And in fact, he and Jody were there at the same time at one point. Um, and then a little bit after that, Jeff Grasick of Jay Allen Pipes went over there and did the same thing, sort of toured the country a little bit. He spent time with Tawny, with Tom, with Yes, with Lars, uh, with Nana. And uh, what those guys did was they came back with all that knowledge and that sort of new way of thinking about pipe making and about design, uh, the design of pipes. And they took on pupils of their own and really spread it around. So eight to ten years ago, when you had a lot of these guys who are now really well-known artisans uh, were sort of emerging, guys like Steve Liskey, Ernie Markle, uh, Pete Prevost, and the other Briarworks guys. Like there's just so many of them who um, were taught by one or all three of those guys. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how it snowballed into what it is today. And then those pupils, you know, they have you know new pipe makers asking them questions, and it just kind of spread from there. So. That's kind of where it started. Now, stylistically, uh, when you think of the Danish school, there's there's obviously several different types of uh, school in Denmark. You know, there's the guys that learned from Paul Rasmussen. There's the guys that spent a lot of time at Pipe Dan. Uh, there's guys that spent time with Nording, and there's guys that worked under Sixten. So one of the things that kind of everybody uh, agrees on is that the Danish pipe makers have have a knack for like soft, supple, flowing lines. Um, 
a lot of it is organically influenced and not necessarily in the same way that like a Japanese pipe is. Um, but, uh, what the Americans did is they took those same sort of soft, um, you know, minimalist, uh, uh, shaping and styling and added like a, maybe a little bit of an industrial flair to it, uh, some some more uh, uh, muscular sort of transitions and things like that. And then they kind of just kept riffing on it until you got what we got now, which is uh, and sometimes some extreme sculptural designs that have colored stems and that kind of thing. So, I mean, the, these guys weren't worried about making perfect 90 degree angles on stuff. They were more worried about how the how the piece looked in the in the in the profile and uh they kind of work the they they'd work the uh more of a hand comfort into it yeah i mean there's the quote from lars the famous quote from lars is that you know a pipe should be cuddly in your hand like a little hamster or however <laughs> he phrased it um that's a famous one but also to guys like yes um yes for me is particularly important because i think out of all of the people who worked with Sixten in particular, uh, he is one of the ones who came away from that still with a really, really strong appreciation for classic shapes, particularly English classic shapes. And he just kind of took those and boiled them down and realized like, okay, uh, here's a really nice old Dunhill or a really nice old Barling. What about it works? And then he kind of pinpointed those things and uh, whether it was intentional or just gradual, I I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, he was able to come up with kind of his own style within the Danish school. And I think that has heavily influenced all the Americans as well, because um, so many of them started off and continue to make a lot of classic pipes. Um, and, and uh, we, we probably collectively owe more of that to yes than any of the other carvers over there. Um, yeah. Before we, uh, we got to take a break, but before we do that, we'll, uh, the, the uh, past West Coast Pipe Show, I believe you might have been nearby, but Rick Newcomb and I were having a discussion about how, yes, Conowitz has the nicest cheeks on his pipes and uh, oh, yeah. how Ernie Markle has seemed to have picked up those nice cheeks. But uh, it's a perfect place for us to take a break when we come back. More Danish-American design aesthetic and uh, less pornography, I promise. This is Internet Radio. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, Shane and me. That That's a we. Um, <laughs> uh, we are back. And uh, you know, all right, so let, let's go all the way back because some of these names may not be familiar to some people. So you go you go back to Sixton and, and Emil Conowitz and Iverson. 
And the first time I remember, I think the first time I've seen any of their stuff was the early 1960s in some of those Yvonne Reese catalogs. And, you know, the, it, to me, their pipes look like they're very representative of what was going on in the Danish design world at that time, too. You know, very, sure, sure. very slim, trim lines that are that are very, you know, contoured and comfortable. Um, and then, I mean, is that really where it, do you think it really comes out of that Danish design school? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, the minimalism, the minimalism is, is a big part of it. Um, and, and yeah, absolutely. Elegance, elegance is valued. uh, Definitely. Um, everything should be soft and supple and, you know, there shouldn't be anything that draws, uh, that draws the eye in a direction that it's not meant to be gone to. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, you don't want you don't want the design to have everybody focus on the button of the pipe. For example, um, there should be like a forward motion, and everything should be uh, nice and soft, and and as clean as possible, and as minimal and as elegant as possible. Yeah, and I guess uh, you know we also see the in the you know you get some of the Japanese going over there and studying with the Danes in the late sixties, early seventies, and. I guess those are those are two cultures that really value, um, you know, high quality, because in a you look at some of these some of the Danish furniture and I and I've been to Denmark and sat on some chairs that were a hundred years old and they were still in as good a condition as they were the day they were new too. Oh, absolutely. Um... I mean, that's the thing. One thing worth noting, uh, I think the American school is also heavily influenced by the Japanese, but you have to keep in mind that so much of what we consider the Japanese aesthetic in pipe making is actually informed by what Sixten and Bonord and Jorn Mikke were doing uh, in the 60s. I mean, that's where so much of some of their, some of those guys, so much of the production went to Japan back then. And uh, the guys who were learning at the time really admired what they were doing. So you look at some of the stuff that like uh, the Suke Ikebana line and uh, a lot of those shapes, I never realized it until I started digging deeper that a lot of the shapes are just riffs on Mickey shapes. And same thing with Toku. <laughs> so much of what he does is attributed to the time that he spent with Sixton and uh, to his admiration for Mickey pipes. So it's kind of crazy how, you know, you've got the Danes influencing Japan decades ago and then the Americans being influenced by the Danes, and then a little bit later, the Americans being influenced again by the Japanese, like Tokotomi in particular, and it's all just this big circle that kind of leads back to the same place, which is 1960s Denmark. It, well, and then you bring it full circle again, because Jorn's daughter just got done working with Suge for a couple of years and is now making Mickey pipes again. Absolutely, absolutely. And in a lot of ways, there was no better place for, in my opinion, no better place for her to learn, uh, uh, especially, you know, considering that she was really striving to um, emulate her father and and learn his way of making pipes and keep the Mickey brand sort of sacred in that sense. Um, and I know for sure that Saab Suge and uh, um, uh, Fukuda-san at, at Suge Ikebana, those are guys that own a lot of Mickey pipes and really, really admire his work and always have. And I could just imagine she's a six foot tall, blonde Scandinavian young lady walking around Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she she had to she had to look like um, like me at a Hobbit festival. <laughs> yeah, except she's a lot better looking than I am. 
Oh, not that much better. Come oh. on, give oh. yourself some credit. Okay, all right, all right. So let, let's go back to let, let's go back to what I was talking about before about yeses about yeses cheeks. And, oh yes. You know, I mean, there's how do how does he? Do you have any idea how he does that? Because I mean, the, those cheeks just come. They it looks like the bowl is sitting just in front of the the shank and the stem perfectly. You know, I as far as how he does it, I think the if you asked him, I suspect that the answer would just be very carefully. Um, <laughs> I think so many of these guys, it's second nature to them at this point. I don't want to speak for them by any means, but um, I've, I've been fortunate uh, fortunate to spend some time in the shop in the homes of a couple of these guys, and really, so many of them, it's second nature at this point. I mean, after you've made so many pipes over so many years. Um, there's just right and wrong. It becomes black and white, and uh, that's just the way the way that his style is developed. Um, you know, it's it's the same way that he gently tapers the bowls. It's the same way that there's like a one degree taper uh, away from the bowl towards the mouthpiece on the shank. I mean, that's one of the things about his pipes that give them this really subtle dynamic forward momentum um, and you have to really look closely I think it was probably Jeff Grasick who was the first person who pointed that out to me and uh, I've looked at a lot of a lot of those guys pipes since then particularly yes and uh, and now that I know what I'm looking for I can see it clear as day but if no one told you to look for that you would just see a pipe and know that it looks right all right slow and down slow that, down a second because I'm I'm mathematically in you know retarded um, <laughs> unless it's calculating discounts um, sure, sure. <laughs> a, a 1%, 1% away from the shank? Oh, I'm sorry, a one-degree taper. So, you know, if you're turning the bowl uh, on the lathe, um, you know, there's there's a couple of different axis, axes that the uh, cradle of the lathe sit on. Uh, and I'm probably using the wrong terminology here because, again, I'm not a craftsman either. But what I'm trying to say is that you could have a straight tube, a perfect cylindrical tube, where the, di- the the width of the shank right behind the bowl and the width of the shank right before it meets the stem are exactly the same. Uh, that is fine, and it looks good. But what he does that's different, and what a lot of the Americans do now in turn that's different, is that you take a very, very, very slight taper. So it gets ever oh, so okay. slightly thinner towards the stem. So you're... So... In simple terms, the the junction at the at the tenon or at the mortise hole is going to be a mm-hmm. little narrower than the junction at the shank. Yes, yes, and, and uh, I mean, yeah. So that so that creates a a movement towards the bowl in your eyes because it looks like it's getting bigger going down that way, which it is. Exactly. Exactly. And you, so, and we're talking about one percent on a on a you know like a half inch wide piece of wood or a three-quarter inch piece of wood so we're we're not talking about you know, one degree that's that's not much at all no no not at all and again i'm i'm sort of throwing out that number one degree uh just just as an example but it is very subtle it's very subtle you you have brands and just to just to go back to the italian neoclassic thing i'm sure we've all seen um one of the costello billiards where that taper from the end of the shank towards the bowl is actually quite drastic Um, and it gives it, it gives it a little bit more of like a whimsical, uh, uh, feel to the pipe. And that's kind of one of the traits of the neoclassic, uh, uh, Italian shaping, but doing it ever so subtly 
it's, it's sort of bridging the gap between something that's super fast and super obvious, the movement forward, and something that's a little more static, uh, as, as, as like your straight-up English billiard might be just a little static with not really much movement to it. Well, and then I guess on the on the opposite, I think in the Danish American aesthetic is also where the where the shank flares out as it comes to the stem. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, y- you see that a lot, like on the end of the shank where it's flared out and domed over a little bit, and then they accent that by either having a uh, let's just say a military mounted stem with a sh- with a ring on it, like a flare on the stem itself that sort of mimics the end of the shank. Um, and I think, oh gosh, that's, that's probably beyond my ability to explain why that works, but it does. Um, (laughs) we, we don't know why we like it, but we do. Oh yeah. It just looks good. But I think so much of it has to do with, um, the shape of the bowl, the balance of the pipe itself. Like I'm actually smoking a pipe right now, uh, made by Abe Herbaugh and it is a, I, I would call it probably an asymmetric Rhodesian, but in form, it's more of a horn. And actually, uh, oddly enough, I would say that this is, is, is a this shape is heavily inspired by uh, Yeskonovitz's mushroom shape. Um, so it has that sort of domed over, like there's a hard line that defines the top of the rim, which is a dome uh, or a mushroom, and then the the lower portion of it, which is more like a horn or a Dublin or something like that. Um, so this one is quite quite asymmetric, probably a little more than Yes would do, uh, which is another thing about the Americans. They just kind of take these ideas and maybe push the boundaries as far as they can. Uh, but it also has that sort of flared shank. And uh, really, it, it's it's just a balance, you know. So you have this Dublin horn-like bowl that uh, that is sort of like you know uh, flaring out towards towards the chamber and towards the top of the pipe, and then you have this little subtle flare at the end of the shank that's rounded over in a similar manner that the rim is. And then there's a stem with uh, with an accent, or uh, I'm sorry, with a flare that's cut to mimic the end of the shank. So it's all about balance, really. Like this pipe still moves forward. Um, because you have, you know, a slip of a slip, a slender slip of stem, a ring, and then the end of the shank, which is domed over and flared out, and then it sort of expands and and, and pushes uh, the lines outward as it approaches the bowl, and then it's flared and domed over again. So, again, I'm not sure why that works, but visually, it's just about the balance and the weight, and that your line moves from button to the fore of the bowl, and it doesn't get caught up anywhere. Well, I can I can tell you two things. One, I don't like it because the, the the pipes that I own that don't fit in a traditional slot in a pipe bag, for some reason, don't get smoked that often. Or they, you know, you, you get too wide of a shank and it won't fit in the in the little uh, the little pipe holder that I have in my car, so it doesn't get smoked as often. But at the same time, every time I see them, I look at them and I and I. There's a there's a couple that I've seen recently that Scott Klein has made that are just perfectly balanced. It looks like the pipe is almost equal both sides and it just kind of pinches in the middle right at the right at where the shank and the bowl meet. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I mean like I I hear what you're saying about the uh I don't know, the practical application for for designs like this but you know a while back i would say that my my collection was 99 percent billiards and that's changed over the past like four years or so so <laughs> i mean i guess but it, it does make it does make for a difficult uh you know where do you keep them where do you put them on a pipe stand like a traditional pipe stand doesn't really fit some of these designs um 
Yeah, well, at one point, my my entire rotation slash collection was about a hundred and three percent black sandblasted Lovats. Oh yeah, for sure, and for sure. I didn't have anything bent in there except a pipe cleaner occasionally. <laughs> no, I was definitely guilty of buying the same pipe over and over and over again. Be like, oh man, that's great. I got to have it. And then I would show my wife or my girlfriend at the time and she'd be like, yeah, it looks exactly the same as all of the others. It's like, no, that no, it's completely different. But really, it was just another black billiard. Now, there is a benefit there because if they all look the same, then our spouses have no idea that we bought a new one. This is true. This is true. All right. That's a uh, perfect place for us to stop here and take a break. When we come back more, a couple more Danish aesthetic questions. And then, uh, hey, uh, Christmas is uh, coming up. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Happy Tuesday. I don't know. All that stuff is coming up just in a few days. So uh, (laughs) we'll talk about that. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, talking Danish American aesthetic, and uh, and yes, Conowitz is nice cheeks. Um, <laughs> all right, so you know you you did mention you mentioned the uh, the rings and the stuff on the on the on the shanks. I, at, at one point, wasn't the you know the especially with some of the more bent shapes. Wasn't there some of the decorative stuff to cover up the fact that they had to dig in and drill extra long in there, and then they'd come back and put that cap back on it? Well, yes, yes. That's sort of a, maybe maybe a little too simple of an answer, but basically the idea, and this again comes from Sixton, is that um, in order to maintain your pipe, not only do you need to be able to ream the chamber, but you also need to be able to ream the shank. So at a certain point, um, you started having people uh adjust the drilling of the shank so that you could pass a cleaner through it but also so that you could pass a straight drill bit through it and uh yes at a certain point covering the end of the shank was was a part of that but um i mean if you removed the stem of of a nice danish style bent fish of for example uh most guys don't actually cover that hole um they just uh they leave it so that you can that you can ream the shank out but yet that has become part of the that that decoration on the end of the shank to me has kind of become part of the Danish American aesthetic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you, it's kind of, it's rare that you see a teardrop shank that doesn't have an accent of some kind on it. Right. Like when's the last time you saw one? Yeah. And then the, uh, and well, 
Um, never. Uh, and then there's Lars who who really did like the the bulbous treatment to the to the stem and then cut it da- cuts it down to a saddle bit real quick. Yeah, that that dome saddle I think is what what yeah. most people call it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, really, that also again I'm gonna have to say Sixton one more time because even though Lars took a lot of his father's ideas and really made them his own. Um, the the thing that Sixton did for pipe making in general, modern high-grade pipe making, one of the many things that he did was uh, he started to think about the stem as part of the composition of the pipe rather than having the bowl shaped and then a preformed stem fit to it. So I was just talking to Yes about this not that long ago. Um, back in the 60s when Yes and uh, Bo Nord and Jorn Mickey and Lars were all working for Sixton uh, or in and out of his shop at various times, they were hand-cutting all of those stems. And that was more or less unheard of in Denmark at the time. I mean, Dunhill was hand-cutting stems as well, but you know, not, not with the complexity and not thinking about them in terms of what they added to the design overall. It's one thing to you know cut hand cut a stem on a Liverpool, and it's another thing to take a bent potato sack with bamboo and hand cut a stem and carve a saddle that sort of echoes the knuckles of the bamboo. Yeah, I mean, the, these guys were the first ones that realized that hey, you know, the stem is also part of the shape. Exactly, exactly, and that that is huge. I mean, all over the world, that has influenced everybody, and and it's so, sort of a sort of something that if you look at a lot of modern high grade pipes now, you might take for granted, but back then it was unheard of. And yeah, now it's just part of the shape, the style, and the and it's also. I mean, th- those guys were also the ones that were the first ones to say that, you know, the most important measure of a pipe is the last half inch of the stem. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the that's the part that you're the most intimate with. Uh, so do you think some of the American guys may, you know, are they taking it too far because they're trying to make a statement of their own or are they experimenting? Uh, and then what? You know, at what point does too far become too far? I guess, um, well, I guess it becomes too far when the pipe doesn't sell. Yeah, exactly. When when nobody's interested in it. Um, no, I don't. I don't think we've seen too far yet. I mean, there are certainly some designs out there at the market that I would not add to my collection, but intellectually and artistically, I can really appreciate them. Um, you know, and that, that's that's the thing is that's that's not even getting into the you know, carved likenesses of Gandalf and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Um, but sculptural designs and sort of pushing the boundaries of, of what is a functional pipe and, and also a piece of art. I mean, I think that's healthy and I think it's great that everybody's sort of pushing those boundaries. Um, some of the designs are more successful than others, but we've seen some really, really cool stuff in the past couple of years. And I think we can, you know, uh, if you want to throw credit where credit's due, a lot of it goes back to the Danes. But uh, I also think that a lot of these young American guys that have the, you know, uh, the balls, I guess, <laughs> to to, to uh, try to do it. Uh, and, and, and some of them are, are coming up with some really great stuff that we've never seen before. Yeah. And some of the gals that are doing stuff have some balls, too, because. Uh, oh, absolutely. You know. But no, you're I mean, I you're. You're right, and the other part of this that's absolutely correct is you could be completely wrong, too, because this is all perception of shape, design, style, and it's called art. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, 
that's that's the thing. What what I find attractive and what you find attractive. Well, I guess we both like black billiards. Aside from that, you know, it's it's up to it's up to the collector and it's up to the person who's going to buy that pipe and own it and love it and smoke it. And yeah, and that, I mean that, and that's perfect. Yeah, you know, it's perfectly fine. Um, however, it's just nice to it. It's nice for the for the uh, you know for the the pipe collecting hobby as a group to be able to put some sort of tags on stuff as to what it is. Um, yeah, and I think that's why I was really interested in talking about this Danish American design, and you know, and we're not. You know, we're not talking about purely thousand dollar pipes either, because uh, a lot of these design, uh, a lot of these design ideas are leaching into what Briarworks is doing now in the hundred hundred and twenty dollar range, and some of the Italian guys have tried some of these some of the styling. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Il Duca is a good example of a guy that's been making pipes in Italy for a good long while, and I think that uh, he is. Oh God! Almost as influenced, if not more influenced, by the Danish guys than by his fellow Italians. Um, plus, there's a lot of really good up-and-coming uh, uh, American pipe makers in the lower price range that, again, have learned from you know Todd or Jody or Jeff or even Brad Pullman. Like a lot of these guys that have been sort of carrying that torch for for a while, um, and and they're doing really great stuff at, at a price that's awesome and, and affordable. And. Yeah, you know, and the internet has been a huge benefit to them being able to share their work and show and share ideas and see other ideas that wouldn't have happened back in the sixties, seventies, eighties, and yeah, in, in the nineties when I when uh, when you got Jody Davis and Todd Johnson, the two most polar opposite types of personalities possible in Denmark at the same time. Uh, now you just need to go on the internet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, when when those guys got started, and I, I've talked a lot about this with Jeff as well. Uh, when those guys got started, you know, the Pipe Makers Forum was brand new, you know, in the early two thousands, and all of the stuff that's on there now, it's an invaluable resource. But it was empty back then, and they had the Pimo Pipe Craft book and uh, word of mouth, and that was basically it. <laughs> and and going to pipe shows and seeing stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, now let, let's get into let's get into some more timely stuff because you've obviously been busy getting ready for the holidays. Oh yes. Um, Black Friday is uh, three days after this show comes out. Cyber Monday is six days afterwards. Thanksgiving is two days afterwards. What do you got coming up for us at uh, Smoking Pipes? What's what's new and exciting? So, uh, Smoking Pipes, for the past couple years, uh, if you've seen it, um, we have done a Black Friday sale that lasts from uh, Black Friday through Saturday and Sunday and also Cyber Monday. So, what we try to do that's a little more interesting uh, than simply just a sale is that you will get uh, get a... um, We've done it in previous years in the form of a uh, a gift card, uh, a discount uh, that's site-wide. So it's based on the dollar amount that you spend. This year, it will be tied in the form of a badge to your customer account. So it just makes it a little more convenient for everybody to use it. Now, that is still going to be in place. So you still will get your site-wide discount in the form of a, uh, I guess you could say, a house account credit that's tied to your customer account. 
aside from that, we're also doing what we've done for the past couple of years, and that is a giveaway. So we will be uh, randomly selecting orders to receive various goodies and prizes uh, uh, from Friday to Monday. And uh, we're adding some new stuff. We're bringing back some stuff that's been popular over the last couple of years. Um, it's, it's really exciting, and, and there's going to be some great stuff for people to, to take advantage of and to receive as a gift for simply placing an order. Any uh, any teasers on what the uh, what the gifts might be? Um, gifts range from uh, stuff like pipe cleaners holders, uh, you know, smoking pipes, mugs, and handkerchiefs, and uh, hats, all the way up to you know pipe cases, uh, leather, leather goods. Um, some of our grand prizes include uh, really premium leather bags made by Claudio Albieri. Um, we also have uh, gift cards uh, ranging from $10 up to $100 that are being given away daily. Um, there's a lot of cool goodies. I won't spoil too much of it, but you'll Ooh. be able to see uh, you'll be able to see Thursday afternoon when we release the promotion uh, all the good stuff that we're giving away. Yeah. So and even though it's Thanksgiving, you guys still do the traditional Thursday afternoon update. Absolutely. You know, rain or shine, I guess. So we, uh, we've got our Thursday update going up, and um, that is usually when we announce the promotion. So I guess if you're listening to this, you get a little bit of a sneak peek. Um, and uh, the, uh, the giveaway promotion will run from Friday to Monday, and the discount will be effective Thursday afternoon through Monday. All right. On your blog, which you guys do some great videos... Uh, so go to smokingpipes.com, click on the blog, and then you'll see all the videos. And there's even written word blogs, which, you know, have a lot of words in it. And I don't understand those. <laughs> um, but on the video I saw, was that, is that a Radice pipe that is pipe special with a special box that has just come out? Yes, yes. So uh, just to give a brief overview, back in May... Um, we were in Italy, Sykes and I were in Italy, hanging out in Cucciago with uh, the Radice guys, and um, they had some chunks of semi-petrified oak that were pulled out of uh, the water in Venice, because every, you know, I don't know, 50 years, 100 years, whatever it is, they have to change out those pillars that everything's built on, and uh, these oak pieces of wood, they found from a furniture maker friend of theirs in Cucciago, and they had these, like, crazy holes in them it looked like they'd been drilled out in a bunch of different directions but actually it's from these mollusks that live in the water and burrow into the wood um so we thought they were super cool super rustic looking and uh the idea was to wait until a couple of very special pipes emerged and to put them in these boxes made from this oak so uh those those went live on the website a couple of days ago and um it's just a really fun project, and uh, it's it's nice because both of the pipes, one is a straight classic F-graded Dublin in the clear finish, and one is a bent arrow uh, uh, reverse calabash with a special silver band on it, also an F-grade. And it kind of showcases the two generations, really, of Radice. Like, the Dublin is more the kind of thing that Luigi would have been making back in the day when he left the Costello factory. And the Arrow reverse calabash is something that Gianluca and Marzio have really been making popular in the last couple of years. Um, so it kind of showcases <laughs> both of the generations there. And uh, it's two very special pipes and two very special presentation boxes. Was it Ocean's 12 where they went under a house in Venice and lifted it up? to change it and then drop the safe through the through the floor into the water and stole. are you talking about is that oceans 12 or the italian job um could be both <laughs> i think it might I've have never been. seen 
I've uh, never seen Ocean's Twelve, but I have seen the Italian Job, and and that is that is definitely the premise there. Well, I've seen I've seen both the original and the and the new Italian Job, and I call them the Mini Cooper shows. Exactly. Oh yeah, I forgot. Right. You must love those movies. Oh yeah, who watches the movies? It's the Cars. Uh, <laughs> and, and then you got Ocean's Twelve, where you know all those good-looking guys are running around stealing stuff. Yeah, and Ocean's I, they're up to like Ocean's eighteen now. I have no idea. Yeah, well, they should have stopped after 11. That was fine. The rest of them, not so good. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, uh, and, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll stop the movie review section of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and don't we, there's also something that just came out from Peterson that looks way cool. Oh, absolutely. So we just released last Friday uh, the Peterson Makers series. Now, the Makers series is a super exciting project. Um, Basically, you've probably – if you're a Peterson fan at all, you're already aware of the Amber Stem project. So the Amber Stem pipes um, were made with new old stock Amber Stems that were originally purchased by the factory back in the 30s. So essentially, because these Amber Stems are so limited and so rare – Connor Palmer, Tom Palmer, and the rest of the guys at Peterson, what they did for that series was they picked the highest grade bowls that they had for that series. Now, within that grouping of the highest grade bowls that they had, 10 pieces, 10, 1, 0, were selected as the best bowls in the factory, and they were set aside for something special. Now, what followed was uh, a long development and prototype period with Claudio Albieri, the Italian leather maker. And uh, what you ended up with are five, or I'm sorry, Jesus, 10 individually numbered pipes uh, and 10 individually numbered leather presentation boxes made by Claudio. So not only are they amber stem spigots, they also feature silver caps. And they also come with an additional stem, an acrylic stem with uh, uh, the same silver spigot treatment. Um, The boxes themselves are gorgeous. They include a Peterson-branded Claudio Albieri tobacco pouch that matches everything. And uh, it's just an incredible presentation. They're super gorgeous. And uh, we're really happy to have been able to um, present a a good number uh, of the worldwide allocation uh, to our customers. (laughs) So the uh, the Amber series, if I understand it right, because I saw a few of them at the trade show in July, those were in the $400, $500 range? Yes, yes. So where are these master... Uh, I keep wanting to say thank the master in uh, C-3PO's voice. Um, <laughs> where, do the, where do the master pipes fit in price-wise? Uh, so the um, the sandblasted maker series pipes are uh, twelve hundred dollars, and the smooth are uh, fifteen hundred dollars. So with that, not only do you get one of the ten best pipes that Peterson has produced in the last oh gosh, who knows how long, um, you're also getting two stems so that you can preserve your amber stem if you choose, plus the presentation box. A leather pipe sock, a leather tobacco pouch, everything's numbered. There's a certificate of authenticity that's signed by all the folks who were involved in the production. Um, it's just a fantastic presentation, truly. And does that also qualify for the free tin of Peterson tobacco if you buy a Peterson pipe? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I would think so, but that, I mean, that's been a, that, that free tin of pipe tobacco Christmas promotion has been going on. You guys have been doing that for, I don't know, 15 years. Well, I'm not sure if it's quite that long, but yes, definitely before my time it started. 
Yeah, and I... it's the same time every year. All right, and uh, can you quickly give us the uh, give us the details? Because you guys recently came out with a new uh, silver and gold, uh, I guess customer uh, customer status program. Yes. Oh, so the VIP badges. Um, essentially, we've had the badges uh, uh, available to our customers. If you logged into your account over the past couple of years, you can see that there's a number of different badges, like whether you've received free shipping so many times or if you have a certain number of Italian pipes in your collection, things like that. Um, so what we what we did is we rolled out a program, a loyalty program of sorts, where um, if you're a bronze, silver, or gold customer, that entitles you to certain perks. And some of those perks are ongoing, and some of them are uh, uh, dynamic and change depending on the promotions that we're running at the time. And, and from what I understand, it doesn't. It's not purely dial, uh, tied to dollars. It's dialed to longevity and you know all kinds of other there's all kinds of other things besides you know walk up spend 10 million dollars with us in your and uh, your uh, gold platinum special <laughs> diamond person exactly so some of it some of it can it can be based on um uh, your purchase history within a 12-month period. It can be based on how long you've been a customer. Like I said, some of the promotions are tied to, let's say, the number of tobacco reviews you've done on the website for us or the number of English pipes in your collection, the number of estate pipes in your collection. There's all kinds of different criteria, and uh, what we really wanted to do was make sure that it was a dynamic and fun thing um, that wasn't necessarily always the same benefits uh, for, for every tier of customer. Sounds like fun. Uh, you got anything else for us? Oh, no, I think that's about it. Um, definitely definitely check out our Black Friday promotions and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter so you can keep keep up with all of the crazy stuff we're doing on a weekly basis. Okay, so first of all, before we leave, I have to ask, Brian, uh, what are you smoking right now, tobacco and pipe? Well, yes, it is pipe tobacco. <laughs> Um, it is a Virginia Perique, and if I if there was a badge for Virginia Perique, I think I'd have it. Uh, oh, I can I can make that happen. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I think it would be a Perique fiend badge. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, the pipe I'm smoking, you should be a little familiar with, because and, and actually, I, I'm not sure if I talked about this, but I think I did talk about it briefly on the on the recap uh, a couple weeks ago when I recapped the uh, trip to Vegas. Um, you know, you, you obviously, there was a couple of Sato's that, uh, that you sent me snapshots of, and I was interested in two, but I was more excited about one than the other. Uh-huh. And then when I saw them, the excitement reversed. Well, the one so I'm... You're, so you're smoking the bent. You're smoking the bent billiard. The little, the little bent billiard that is just absolutely perfect and tiny and cute and not as small as I thought it would be, but it's... You know, it it's become a almost a daily smoker for me. Oh, that's awesome! I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. All right. What do you got in your jaws? Um, about ten minutes ago, I I finished my bowl of uh, Scottish cake in my Abe Herba mushroom asymmetric uh, Rhodesian, whatever you want to call it. And right now, I'm smoking a bowl of uh, John Aylesbury uh, luxury flake, which is now John Aylesbury classic flake. And I'm smoking that in a small, uh, smooth former military mount billiard. Does the John Aylesbury taste? similar to Orlick Golden Slice, but without kind of the orangey flavor? 
Um, actually, I, I think it's a it's a lot different. Um, the John Aylesbury for me, it probably has a touch of stoved Virginia in it, possibly Cavendish. I can't really tell, um, but it's it's a lot more pastry like than it is hay like or or citrusy. Huh? Sounds tasty because I think I have a tin or two sitting here from some time ago that I haven't ever touched. So now I got something to open up uh, as soon as we're done. Well, I'll tell you what. One more question: Since we're gearing up for Thanksgiving here, what uh, what tobacco pipe combo are you uh, going to break out for the day of giving thanks? Well, uh, now I'll, I'll be honest with everybody because the family will be around. I won't be ducking away from the family f- to smoke my pipe that much. Ah, um, I do have a. I do have a bit of a Thanksgiving tradition that involves um, turkey. It, <laughs> it involves wild turkey in my coffee in the morning to uh, uh, okay. to kind of start the day and ease the pain. But that's also usually the day that I go outside and start hanging the exterior uh, Christmas decorations. Sure, sure. So I like to uh, lubricate before I go out there and freeze to death. But at that point, I guarantee you that I will have a pipe out there with me and it'll probably be one of my more durable, uh, you know, my, probably my, one of my Costello sea rocks will be hanging out of my face while I'm climbing up and down a ladder. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it I, might I have know. a Virginia Perique in it. Just possible. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a sucker for, for breaking out something fancy on the holidays and I've got a 20 something year old tin of capstan blue, that's uh, sitting on the edge of my desk right now that I'm waiting for. And it'll probably get me from Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas. And uh, <laughs> I've got a brand a brand new Brad Pullman pipe that I bought in Vegas at the West Coast show that I'll be breaking in as well. Breaking it in with Tolkien's favorite. Absolutely. Shane, thanks for coming on. We'll uh, talk to you uh, in the middle of the Christmas chaos. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. I will, I'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. internet radio i am back on the pipes magazine radio show and remember if you want to get a hold of shane it's shane.ireland at smokingpipes.com or you can post comments or questions for him on the pipes magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com and i'll uh, make sure that he sees them and we'll respond to him next month when he's back on all right very special music uh, again from dan locklair this is the thanksgiving movement and it is perfectly timed and a perfect piece of music so 
grab your pipe and uh, sit back and enjoy this for the uh, next few minutes here.
That was a live performance of the third and final movement from uh, pipe smoker, professor, composer, Dan Locklear's world premiere of Symphony No. 2 America. For the other two movements, you'll have to wait until uh, Memorial Day and uh, the 4th of July of next year. Just absolutely beautiful. A quick mailbag going back to last week's show with Rob E. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, pretty good show. Greatly enjoyed the pipe parts segment on what tobacco names meant. Uh, Rob E. was a guy I've never heard of, so I really didn't get into the interview that much. Uh, Pretty good idea about smoking outside all day on the same day as the anti-smoke people are doing their thing. I might end up doing the same thing. Uh, I really like Thanksgiving. Plenty of good food. Lots of relatives will be over football, etc. Yep, me too. And then uh, Tater says, Another great show, Brian. I became aware of Robbie's work a while back and now own two of his pipes, Fraternal Twin Lavats. That could fit in my old pipe rack. Uh, Then he says, Thanksgiving is also my favorite holiday. Eat, drink, and enjoy the company of family. Nothing better. Yeah. And then uh, finally, uh, C. Freud writes, Greetings from Colorado. I'm way behind on my shows, but wanted to thank you for a tip you gave a while ago. I was in a vapor rut and listened to the show where you recommended going back to base Virginias to reset things. Not only am I enjoying my Virginia flakes more and building a shopping list, but it has, in fact, renewed my enjoyment of vapors. Thanks much. Love the show. You are very welcome. And, uh, yeah, maybe we ought to sit back and gather up a whole list of all those tips somewhere and uh, publish them and, uh, I don't know, charge 39 cents because that's probably what people would pay for them all right here we go instead of uh, rant time a little thanksgiving message for you coming up next cowboy cowboy Thanksgiving is the purest of holidays, in my own opinion, which I am an expert of. It is a day where we are purely just thankful for friends, family, food, warmth, and, uh, you know, there's no gifts, no real heavy decorations, no themes, uh, just a great day to gather around. And as an example of Something that I'm thankful for and uh, Kevin is thankful for is our community. And I want to read you a letter, an email that I got from Steve Berger, who is, uh, you know, he to me he's the perfect pipe smoker and Disney fan because he moved down to Florida for retirement, enjoys his pipes, and enjoys going to Walt Disney World as often as possible. Uh, so I got an email from him saying that uh, you know that he was catching up on shows and was and wanted to uh, send me something as a thank you for all the interesting episodes uh, that he yeah just thanking me for the podcast. So I sent him my address and he sent this email. He said, "I'm packing the pipe for shipment. I thought I to tell you the story behind the pipe I selected." 
1965, after finding the Wilkie Pipe Shop, I met a wonderful young lady. She loved my pipe and any tobacco that I smoked, British, Balkan, or Arrow. It was love at first sight. I knew that one day we would marry. After dating for a few months, she told me her father wanted to meet me. That was panic time for a teenage boy. After bringing her home from a date, her father, George, was sitting in his easy chair smoking a pipe with McBaron's tobacco. This was a time where uh, Jewish families only wanted to, the children to date other Jews. George didn't seem to care, to care if I was Jewish or not. I entered the room smoking my Wilkie pipe, and the first thing he asked me was, What's your Jewish name? Shlomo ben Yosef, I replied. We became fast friend with our pipes. Penny and I married in 1969 and made many trips to New York City to visit Wilkie. She had a great sense of pipe shapes and could pack a mean pipe full. Time passed and we had our usual family ups and downs until we adopted our daughter in 1984. Though it was the two, now three of us, and my trusty Wilkie, we traveled to Europe, Mexico, Canada, Hawaii, and took over 15 cruises. My Wilkie was always with me. Penny passed in March of 2015. We were married almost 45 years. To me, the smoking of my Wilkie pipe bring Penny closer to me and all the good times we had, lots of good memories. The pipe I selected for you was selected by Penny somewhere between 1965 and 1970. It is the usual Wilkie pipe that was sold unfinished and with no filler added. It was what you see is what you get. The pipe is darkened from smoking the 40 plus years. I hope that it will bring you good memories and become a faithful friend. Our favorite song was Happy Together by the Turtles. Uh, this could also be a song for pipe smokers loving their pipe and tobacco. Sincerely, Steve. Well, for that, Steve, I am greatly thankful to you for giving me such a cherished memory of your pipe smoking life and, and your wife. This pipe has become a wonderful part of my collection and purely shows the thankfulness that i have for being part of such a wonderful community of pipe smokers pipe collectors whatever you are you're all friends you're all family and for that i and kevin we are both gratefully thank you and we wish you all the best on this thanksgiving holiday and for the holidays to come so with that i'll say thank you to shane thank you to steve for the perfect pipe to add to my collection and thank you all for tuning in. Until next time. Imagine me and you, I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So happy together. I should call you up, invest a dime, and you say you belong to me, lose my mind, imagine how the world could be, so very fine, so happy together. No matter how they toss the dice, it had to be 
So long. 